We're about to start chapter 42 in Tanya, which is really exciting. And I'll tell you something, when we're really going to get and apply the principles in this chapter, Mashiach will be here. <laughs> because what is the condition? What is the condition of Gullus, this, this exile mentality? It's that what we know doesn't pervade us. Like we're aware that there's God. But we're not so aware to the point that we relate to him the same way we relate to physical things. In this chapter, the altar was going to tell us that you need to fix your mind on him to such an extent. He's going to lead us through it. He's going to hold our hand. He's going to lead us through it. You need to fix your mind on Hashem in such a way, like the same way you see things with your physical eye. When we actually experience that breakthrough, that's going to be personal redemption and it's going to be global redemption. So let's do this. <laughs> There's a story of the Alta Rebbe that he used to go visit his daughter Freda sometimes, and he would teach her. <laughs> he would teach her Hasidus just for her. He would teach her things that he didn't teach her brother, who became the Rebbe after her. So one Shabbos, he went to visit her, and Hasidim wanted to hear what is he going to be sharing with his daughter, and they were following him, and they were like hanging around the trees over there. And the Rebbe turned to, the Alter Rebbe turned to his son, the Mittler Rebbe, and said, what do they want? What do they want already? They want gazetten? They want newspapers? I mean, they're looking for new things, new things. And he grabbed his son by the lapels, and he said, let them study Tanya. If they will study the Tanya, they can be a chassid like Avraham Avinu. You know, we want the new, new ideas, new inspiration. Let's just sit with what the altar was teaching us here. He gave us this. It took us a, him a long time. You know, the Rebbe Yitzchak of Bartichev, when he looked at the Tanya, he said, how did he manage to put such a great God into such a small book? <laughs> it's not a simple I think that the altar accomplished with the Tanya. He had so many challenges. You know, we look at Sadiqim and we say, they don't have the challenges that we have. Now, they don't have the challenges within that we have. But the formidable challenges they had to overcome in order to get their their thing into the world is incredible. And what the Alter Rebbe had to overcome in order to get the Tanya published is incredible. And there was a reason why he said, let them study the Tanya. We study the Tanya. If we internalize these ideas, literally we can become a chassid like Avraham Avinu. There's a saying, saying from the chassid Ravendel Futterfast of this last generation. He spent many years in Siberia, an incredible person. And he said, three things are for sure. Alcohol is going to get you drunk. Money's going to make you arrogant. And chassidus is going to change you. If you drink alcohol and you're not drunk, you just didn't drink enough. If you're wealthy and you're not arrogant, you're just not wealthy enough. And if you study chassidus and it hasn't changed you, you didn't study enough. So this chapter is about changing us. That's really what it is. And not, I'm saying changing us, but it's not really changing us. And that's one of the paradoxes of the Tanya. On one hand, you have to work so hard to access this space. On the other hand, that space that we're trying to access is our truest self. So we have to work through these veils and these hurdles. But what are we accessing? Not something foreign to ourself. We're accessing our truest self. So... Chapter 42. In the previous chapter, the Alt Rebbe explained that the fear of Hashem is a prerequisite to divine service. 
Every Jew is capable of attaining this level by contemplating how Hashem stands over him and searches his reins and heart to see if he is serving him as is fitting. This thought will lead him to bring forth at least some measure of fear in his mind. This, in turn, will enable him to study Torah properly, as well as to perform both the positive and negative mitzvot. The Alter Rebbe also noted that this level of fear is known as Yeratata, lower level fear, which is a preparatory step to the proper f- performance of Torah and mitzvot. This degree of fear must be manifest if one's Torah study and performance of the mitzvot are to be deemed avoda, divine service. So last chapter we learned that every person have to have, has to have a fear of Hashem, and it's out of that mind space that they go and serve Hashem. Every positive mitzvah that they do, Every Avera sin that they avoid has to be out of the space of awareness of Hashem, that I'm standing right in His presence and I'm serving Him. And this level of fear is known as Yira Tata'a, the lower level of fear. It's not something that we have to create. It's something natural to us. We just have to access it. And even if we can't access it on a very high level that we actually feel it as a live emotion in our heart, if we just have it in, a, in our mind as an awareness that I'm in the presence of Hashem and I would never want to do anything to disappoint Him, that's enough. That's enough to give our service what it needs to be called service. Now, v'hine, in light of what already has been said on the subject of the lower level fear, as summarized above, yuvan heitev masha kasev bagamara al-pasuk one will clearly understand the Talmudic comment on the verse. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Only that you fear the Lord your God. This is Meshur Rabbeinu talking to the Jewish people. He's saying, Jewish people, what is Hashem asking of you already? All he's asking of you is to fear him. Really? That's it? And that's what the Talmud asks. Is fear then such a small thing? What kind of thing is that? You're saying, he's not, what is he asking of you? He's asking a very small thing. He's asking you to fear him. We know from our experience that that's not so simple. It takes a lot of work to get to that space. In fact, the Ran, this is Rabbeinu Nisim. He's a commentator on the Talmud, a very famous rabbinical figure. He writes in his Drushas, he has some really amazing thought-provoking work called Drushas Haran. He elaborates on this question. And he said, he's speaking about fear of Hashem. And he said, there is no doubt that man's nature is not, does not incline towards it, towards fear of heaven. But to the contrary, is extremely antagonistic towards it. Scripture states, Ki For the inclination of a man's heart is evil from his youth. That's what the Torah says. If so, how can Moshe say, What does the Lord your God ask of you? In view of the difficulty of its attainment, this would be tantamount to saying that he asks only of you to be like Abraham or like Moses, our teacher. May peace be upon him. It is obvious that this is something which is difficult to attain. And so let's hear what the Talmud answers. The Talmud answers like this. In Lagabe Maisha, Milsa Zutartehi Vachule. Answers the Gemara, yes, in the case of Maisha, it is a small thing, and so forth. Does that really answer our question? No. Does it really answer our question, right? He's not saying to himself, what are you going to do already, have fear of Hashem? He's, he's speaking to the Jewish people, and he's saying, Jewish people, what is Hashem asking of you? He's, all he's asking you is to fear him. The Talmud asks, is it such a small thing? And the Talmud answers, yeah, it is a small thing for Maisha. Doesn't answer our question. So that's what 
the author was going to say here, and the Ron, in elaborating on this, he says, this would be analogous to one who possessed a million talents of gold, <coughs> telling someone who possessed not even a single silver talent that he was asking of him only a single golden talent. It's not wisdom that would prompt such a request, nor would it be wisdom that would prompt a person who can carry three key cars to tell a person who can't even carry half a key car, all I'm asking of you is to carry a single key car. Yet Moshe would seem to be making such a request of the Jewish people. So superficially, the answer seems to be that this was said by Moshe to the Jewish people, and for him, fear of Hashem is indeed a simple theme. At first glance, the answer of the Gemara is incomprehensible. For the verse asks, what does he require of you? Meaning, what does Hashem require of every Jew? For the majority of Jews, fear of Hashem is certainly no mean accomplishment. What then is the point of answering that for Moshe, it is a simple thing? The Altarban now goes on to explain that the answer of the Gemara, that in the case of Moshe, it is a simple thing, doesn't refer to Moshe alone, but to the Moshe which is found within every Jew. For Moshe imbues all Jews with a level of da'as, which literally means knowledge, but it means much more than that, as we're going to explore, enabling them to bind their own faculty of da'at to godliness. It is concerning this level of Moshe found within every Jew that the statement is made. In the case of Moshe, it is a simple thing. For when a Jew utilizes the power of Moshe found within him, meaning when he binds his da'as with godliness, then fear of Hashem is indeed a simple thing and easy to attain, as shall be presently explained. So he's not speaking to Moshe himself. He's speaking to the Moshe within each of us. There's a Moshe outside of us, but actually each of us possess an aspect of Moshe within ourselves. And that's a, a huge breakthrough realization, you know? There's a story of the previous Rebbe before he was the Rebbe. He went to a Hasidic gathering where the famous teacher, Hasidic mentor, the Rashbat, Roshmul Batal, was far bringing. He was like leading the way and teaching. And, and he came back and his father, the Rebbe Rashab, asked him, well, how was the far bringing? He said it was very interesting. There was a guy in the audience, not a chassid, and he was listening to the Rashbat speak. And the Rashbat was a brilliant man. And he literally lived the ideals that he spoke about. And he was astounded. And finally, in the middle of the Fabrengan, he turned to the Rashbat and he said, tell me, you're such a brilliant man. Did you ever make a mistake in your life? And he said, he did. I made a mistake when I estimated my potential. And he didn't mean to say that he overestimated his potential. He meant to say that he underestimated his potential. And this is a very humble man. You know, this is not the person, you know, some people walk around and say, like, you know, look at me, I'm great and I'm also humble. <laughs> not him. He was a person who was really a humble person. And when the Rebbe Rashab heard what he said, he appreciated that so much. And he said, this is avayda amites alpi chasidis. True service of Hashem, the way chasidis demands of us. First of all, you have to know the powers that you have. And then you can use them in serving Hashem. So we have to tap into the power that we have. You know, Moshe is not just a historical figure. He literally is part of our spiritual, current spiritual experience. That's who Moshe is, and that's what the altar was going to tell us now. Ella ha'enyan hu, ki kol nefesh v'nefesh mi beis Yisrael, yeshba mebchinas Moshe Rabbeinu alav hashalom. The explanation, however, is as follows. That each and every soul of the house of Israel 
comprises within it something of the quality of our teacher Moshe. Peace unto him. The Zohar teaches us that there is de Moshe There is a manifestation of Moshe in every generation. On one hand, it means the sages of the generation. On the other hand, it means that Moshe is manifest within each of us. And this is based on the verse from the Torah, where Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, it says, There are 600,000 people which I am within them. In the Torah, it says this. And what he was saying was, at that point, you know, the Jews who were complaining and Hashem was telling him about how he's going to serve them, what they were asking for. And Maishu Rabbeinu was saying back to Hashem, I'm among 600,000 Jewish people. So the simple translation is, I am among 600,000 Jewish people. But if you read it on a mystical level, it means that he is actually present within each of these 600,000 Jewish people. There is an aspect of Moshe within our soul. And why is that? Kihu mishiv arayim, for he is one of the seven shepherds. So this idea, this idea of seven shepherds comes from the prophet Micha. It's talking about the era of Mashiach. And at that time, we're going to rule over our enemies, including Ashur, Assyria. And the Navi says, we will appoint over them seven shepherds and eight princes of men, meaning that we will rule in his land and we're going to appoint princes of our own over Assyria. So there's this concept of seven shepherds. And the Talmud talks about it. The Talmud enumerates the seven shepherds. Interestingly, the Zohar enumerates seven different shepherds. Well, not seven different. There's a variety, not exactly the same seven shepherds. Moshe is counted in both of them. The way the Zohar enumerates them is the way we count the seven Ushbizin. Sukkah's time, you know, the seven guests that come to our Sukkah. They are Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Moshe, Aaron, Yosef, David. So those are the seven shepherds according to the Zohar. According to the Talmud, the Talmud says like this, Man ninhu shiva rayim, who are these seven shepherds? David ba'emsa, David's in the middle. Adam, Shays, and Mesushalach Miminai. Adam, Seth, and Methuselah are to his right. Avram, Yaakov, and Misha, Bismarle. Abraham, Jacob, and Moses are to his left. Okay, and the Rebbe actually has a letter, I wanted to look it up, that speaks about the discrepancy between these two ways of counting it. Whichever way we're going to count it, Moshe is one of the seven shepherds. Now, what is a shepherd? So normally we think of a shepherd as a leader, and that's true. So seven shepherds means seven leaders, but a, a shepherd is not just a leader. A shepherd is one who sustains and provides for his sheep. And so we've had many Jewish leaders who were great leaders throughout the generations, but to be considered a shepherd is a unique status. It means someone who has a certain divine quality that they literally encapsulate and embody being a Merkava. A Merkava is a chariot to the divine. What is a chariot? A chariot has no agenda of its own. It's literally surrendered to the rider. So these seven shepherds were completely surrendered to Hashem and in their own unique way. For example, we know that Abraham, Abraham Avinu, he was a man of kindness. He wasn't just a man of kindness. He actually encapsulated and embodied divine kindness. His soul was rooted in chesed of Atzilas. And because his soul was rooted in chesed of Atzilus, he is the shepherd of kindness for all of us, which means that he channels kindness in our soul 
so that we have access to it. But we're going to learn that Moshe Rabbeinu was unique from all the shepherds. While there are seven shepherds, in a certain way, he is the primary shepherd. And in fact, the Jerusalem Talmud say, says, Ve'ein raya ela Shepherd only means Moshe. So there's a reason why he is unique among the seven shepherds. For he is one of the seven shepherds. Who cause vitality and godliness to flow to the community of the souls of Israel, for which reason they are called shepherds. Just as a shepherd provides nourishment for his sheep, thereby supplying them with vitality, so too do the seven shepherds sustain Jewish souls with vitality and godliness, each from his own spiritual level. Abraham provides the Jews with the spiritual faculty of chesed and love and so forth. Now, if you look at the Alter Rebbe's expression over here, it's a very interesting expression that he's using when he's talking about these shepherds channeling to the Jewish people. He says two terms. He says chayos, vitality, veloikos, and godliness. And the Hasidim relate, I'm reading from the, the commentary here, Hasidim relate that the Alter Rebbe pondered for a considerable number of weeks whether to write that the seven shepherds provide godly vitality, which would be chayos elekos, or whether he should write vitality and godliness, chayos velekos. He finally resolved to write the latter, vitality and godliness. For vitality refers to love and fear of Hashem, since it is they that vitalize one's performance of Torah and mitzvahs. When a person has proper emotions for Hashem, the mitzvahs that they do, the Torah that they study become alive. That's the vitality. Godliness refers to the self-nullification before God. When a person is surrendered to Hashem, they're a channel through which holiness rests and their godliness abides within them. The seven shepherds then cause both vitality and godliness to flow into the Jewish souls. Now, it's very interesting. I was watching a video of an interview with a man who had an audience with the Rebbe. He was actually our principal in school growing up, Rebbe Shalom Weiss. And he said that the Rebbe was talking to him about what a student is. And he said, there's different kinds of wells. A student is a well. There are wells that you dig and you dig till you reach an underground source of water. And then once you hit that underground source of water, the well self-replenishes. So that's it. You hit it and it's a done deal. Then there's other kinds of wells where you dig, but you created like a cistern. And it relies on rainwater and it constantly has to be replenished. And the Rebbe said, students are like the well that have to be replenished. It's not like, you know, you just get it and then it's done. They have to constantly be replenishing. And he said, you as an educator, you have to constantly self-replenish your own fear of Hashem so you can give that to your students. So here, yes, we have a divine soul. Our divine soul is naturally attached to Hashem. But because it's in a body, it doesn't feel that. And we need these people who have such a surrender to godliness to channel that to us so we can feel what we already have in our soul. Our teacher Moshe, peace unto him, comprises aspects of them all. And he is called the faithful shepherd. So it is written in a Hasidic discourse that Maisha is Haraya Haklali He is the general shepherd that includes all the shepherds within in him. Why is he considered the main shepherd? Hashem. 
This means that he draws the quality of Da'at to the community of Israel, that they may know and be cognizant of Hashem, so that for them, godliness will be self-evident and experienced by every Jew. So each of these seven shepherds channels some midah, some supernal quality to the Jewish people. But what makes Moshe unique is that he channels Da'as. Da'as we translate as knowledge, but really what Da'as is, is connection. The point that it becomes real. He channels to our soul the ability to become so connected to Hashem that we relate to Him the same way we see something with our physical eyes. It's a breakthrough realization. And what makes Moshe so unique is because Da'as is unique. The Zohar says that Da'as is the miftacha de chalal shis. That means the key, which includes six. What does that mean? There are six emotions, with not counting malchus. There are six emotions. And the key to these emotions is da'as. If anybody's going to experience love or fear, compassion, it has to be first da'as. Da'as is the root of the foundation. That deep awareness, that connection, that's what allows the emotions to show. So there's seven shepherds, and they channel different qualities to us. But without da'as, we don't get any of them. And with Da'as, we have access to all of them. So that was Moshe. Moshe was the main shepherd because he channeled Da'as to the Jewish souls. And it wasn't just then. It's now. Each of us have that connection currently with Moshe Rabbeinu. We have an aspect of him in our soul. If we wouldn't have that aspect within him, we would never be able to know Hashem that way. Knowing Hashem is not just about getting a lot, a lot of knowledge. You can get a lot, a lot of knowledge and still not have a relationship with Hashem. It's like the story I mentioned last class, how the Talmud refers to Ganva apamachtarta rachmanakarya, that a thief at the entrance to the burglary tunnel is calling out to Hashem for help. Are you crazy? Do you believe or you don't believe? If you believe, then why are you stealing? And if you don't believe, why are you praying? He believes, but it's something separate from him. It's not integrated within him. It's not an internal experience. He lacks da'as. can have tons of knowledge and have no da'as. In order to truly have da'as of Hashem, to know him in that intimate way, the same way we relate to physical things around us, it's not enough to have knowledge. We have to have it as part of our soul, and we do. And that's why there's a difference between Jewish people and other people. The Tzemach Tzedek, this is the grandson of the Alter Rebbe, writes about a prince in his town, a non-Jewish prince, who reached such high levels of understanding of Hashem that other people haven't reached. Very high levels. But he lacked the Das. He lacked that intimate knowledge of Hashem because only a Jew has a divine soul, which is literally a divine experience. Jews are not just part of the creation. We're part of the creator himself. And we have him within us, and that's why we have the ability to know him. It's like, you know, like sometimes like you, you know your, your siblings or relatives. There's something that you know about them just because you know yourself, because you share something. You have it within you. The way we know Hashem is because we have it within us. And we can know him the way we know ourselves. He is our deepest essence. And Maishra Benu, having that da'as of his channeled within our soul to reveal it, what we already have, gives us that ability that it becomes, could become a real current, true, intimate experience. I read this interview of Mr. Fred Hager. He lived in London, 
And he talked about an audience that he had with the Rebbe. And he said that, you know, most people think that they're going to meet this great person and they're going to analyze them and come to know more about the great person. And he said, I had this experience and I know a lot of other people had this experience too. Coming to meet the Rebbe taught me more about myself. Here he thought he's meeting a great person. In the end, he realized that he's meeting himself. And that's what it is. Getting to know Hashem because he's really a part of us. And when we have this, uncover the space in our soul, this Da'as, which is channeled to us through Moshe who represented Da'as, we can know Hashem in a real and intimate way. So let me summarize what we said until now, and then we're going to move into this next section. So we started off by saying, we're talking about this lower level of fear, and Moshe Rabbeinu asked the Jewish people, what is Hashem asking of you already? All he's asking you is to fear him. The Talmud asks, is it really such a small thing? And the Talmud answers, yeah, it is a small thing for Moshe. But he's not talking to himself. He's talking to the Jewish people. And the answer is that Moshe is not just a historical figure. Moshe is an aspect of our own soul. And for that aspect of our own soul, which is Moshe, it is a small thing to have here of Hashem. Now, how do we have Moshe within us? Because Moshe is one of the seven shepherds who channels divine traits to the Jewish people. What makes Moshe so unique is that the trait that he channels is da'as, deep awareness, integration, connection. And through that, we can access all the other emotions. Now, how does he channel? Each according to the intellectual capacity of his soul and its root above, meaning according to the height of the source of the soul as it exists above. So does everybody get it the same? No, it depends where our soul comes from. Each of our souls have a different capacity. And according to the capacity, that's the way the Das is channeled to our soul. You know, people think of Da'as, knowledge of Hashem, as if you have a really high IQ, high IQ, then you can know more about Hashem and you can connect to Hashem more. That's not how it goes. There can be people who have very, very simple intellectual abilities but their souls come from such a high place. And when it comes to knowing Hashem, they can have a much better knowledge of Hashem than somebody with a very high IQ. It depends on the root of their soul. There is a story of a tzaddik. He was known as the good Jew of Nushtat. He wasn't known to be a very smart man, but he was a very holy man. And he would read Tehillim a lot. Now, in the same town, there lived the famous Rabbi Chaim of Tzans. This is the author of the Divrei Chaim great rabbi and Talmudic genius. And he was about to finish his round of the whole Talmud, but he got caught on the commentary of the Tosafot, Taisvais. Just couldn't figure it out. He's thinking, you know, I'm going to bring it to the good Jew and ask him to read the Taisvais. So he brings him the Taisvais and said, look, I got stuck on the Taisvais. Could you help me? And he said, come on. You know me, how could I, how could I explain the Taisvis to you? I, I barely do a good job reading the Tehillim. You want me to read you the Taisvis? He said, please, just read me the Taisvis. So he obviously wasn't that ignorant, because you have to realize the Taisvis is written without any punctuation and without any vowelization. He opens up the Taisvis, and he starts reading the Taisvis, and suddenly Rabbi Chaim understands the Taisvis, because he read it with different punctuation than Rabbi Chaim would have read it. And they say that Rabbi Chaim asked him, would you be willing to exchange your completion of the Tehillim with my completion of the Talmud? And he wasn't willing. (laughs) 
So this is somebody who had maybe simple intellectual abilities, but his soul come, came from a very high place. And so the ability of his soul to connect to Hashem was of a much higher level. And the reason why everybody needs it according to their own level is because if they get more than what their soul can handle, God forbid they would expire. That's what happened to the Jews at the giving of the Torah. Hashem revealed himself more than they could handle and they couldn't they couldn't exist anymore. So everybody needs according to their own capacity. Now, our capacity grows because I see Shelly looking at me like, maybe no, yes, no, maybe no. no. I, heard, I heard noise. Okay. No, no. So, so our capacity can grow, but we do start off with the basic capacity, and that's based on the root of our soul. So according to the capacity of our soul, vini kasa misheresh nishmas meisherabenu alava shalom. And according to the degree of its nurture from the root of the soul of our teacher Moshe, peace unto him. Which is rooted in the Da'at Elyon, supernal knowledge of the ten Sephiris of Atzilas. Which are united with their emanator. So there are many tzaddikim throughout the generations, but certain tzaddikim, are tzaddikim of the level caliber of Merkava, and their soul is rooted in the highest world, the world of Atsilas. All of our souls are rooted in the world of Atsilas, but that's our source of our source. We don't feel that kind of connection. Maisha Rabbeinu, as he was down here in a body, was the same as he was up there. And in fact, he different than the other shepherds. It's interesting, if you look at the Torah, sometimes Hashem calls these great people by their name, and he calls them twice. He says, Avraham, Avraham. He says, Yaakov, Yaakov. He says, Maisha, Maisha. When it is written, and you see it with the truck, between Avraham, Avraham, there's a psik taima. There's a vertical line that separates the first Avraham with the second Avraham. The same thing with the other times that Hashem calls great people in the Torah. One exception, Moshe. No psik taima between. The Zohar speaks about it and says, Moshe, as he was above, was exactly the same below. No difference. So we can't even imagine the caliber of such a person. And his soul was rooted in Hashem's da'as, the da'as of the world of Atsilas. And the altar says, there are these sephiris, this, the sephiris of the world of Atsilas are truly one with their emanator. And what does that mean, emanator? He doesn't say creator. And that's because everything is created by Hashem and it's a separate being. But the world of Atsilas is different. The world of Atsilas is not yet called a created being. It's simple, simply something that has been emanated from him. It's literally one with him. So the Chachma, the wisdom in the world of Atsilas is Hashem's wisdom, as it were. The Bina there is Hashem's Bina. The Da'as there is the Da'as of Hashem himself. And that's where the soul of Moshe Rabbeinu was rooted. There in Hashem's Da'as. Just as Hashem is termed the creator of created beings, so too is he called the emanator of those entities found in the world of Atzilut, a world which, together with its beings, is an emanation of the Ainsof. Shehu v'dayte echad v'hu hamadachulai, for he and his knowledge are one, and he is the knowledge, etc. So this is quoted from the Rambam, from Maimonides, and to explain to us the difference between us and our knowledge and Hashem and his knowledge. It's a very different experience. Our knowledge is separate from ourselves, but Hashem's knowledge is literally one with him. You know, if somebody shares an idea with you and you connect to the idea, it doesn't mean you connected to, with the entirety of the person. You connected with a certain aspect of them. But Hashem, 
when we connect with his wisdom, we connect with him himself because his wisdom is one with him. And this is what Maimonides writes at the beginning of his work of Mishnah Torah in Helchasi Seidi HaTaira. I'm going to read you some excerpted sentences from the second chapter. This is, this is the second halacha. The Holy One, blessed be he, does not know with a knowledge which is external to him in the way that we know. For ourselves and our knowledge are not one. Rather, the Creator, may he be blessed, he, his knowledge, and his life are one from all sides and corners in all manners of unity. Thus, you could say he is the knower, he is the subject of knowledge, and he is the knowledge itself. All is one. This matter is beyond the ability of our mouth to relate or our ears to hear nor is there the capacity within the heart of man to grasp it in its entirety. In order for us to truly relate to something, we have to have it within ourselves. We don't even have that experience because our knowledge is separate from us. But Hashem's knowledge is one with Him. And Maishu Rabbeinu's soul is rooted in that space, in Hashem's knowledge. As explained in chapter 2 above, God's knowledge and man's are utterly dissimilar. On the human plane, the knower, the faculty of knowledge, and that which is known are three distinct and separate entities. However, concerning God, he is the knowledge, he is the knower, and he is that which is known. Thus, supernal knowledge is one with him. And it is within this level of da'at that Moshe's soul is rooted. When a Jew receives the capacity for da'at from the soul of Moshe, he is able to perceive godliness in a truly knowing and internalized manner so that he actually experiences him. Utilizing this capacity enables every Jew to know and feel how Hashem stands over him and sees his actions. It is therefore easy for him to summon up within himself a fear of Hashem. So we said, for Moshe, it's easy. That means for us, it's easy. Now, go tell me what easy is. But easy means we can do it. It's part of our experience. We can have an experience of Hashem so that it's so real to us so that we really feel how he is literally standing over us and watching us. However, all of the above refers to the luminary aspect of Moshe, which is received by every Jew. The Altarebbe now goes on to say that there is an even higher level of Moshe, a spark of Moshe's soul that is bestowed upon the spiritual leaders and sages of each generation. A spark is an actual part of the flame, unlike rays of illumination, which are not truly part of the luminary. So too, the sparks of the soul of Moshe, found within the leaders and scholars throughout the generations, are a part of Moshe's soul. So what we're saying here is we all have part of Moshe within us. But the way we receive from Moshe is like an illumination, a ray. What is a ray? A ray is not part of the actual globe of the sun. It's something that shines forth from the sun, but doesn't affect the sun. So if it's a cloudy day and the sun's rays are blocked, no harm done. The sun doesn't get affected by it. On the other hand, a spark is an actual part of the fire. So we each have this illumination from Moshe within us. But then there's something more. There are people who actually have a spark of Moshe within them, literally part of his flame. And they are certain leaders of the generation. The task of these leaders is to teach God's greatness to the Jewish people so that they will serve Hashem with all their heart. In addition and beyond, this pervasive influence to the community as a whole, there descend in every generation sparks from the soul of our teacher Moshe, peace unto him. And they clothe themselves in the body and soul 
of the sages of that generation, the eyes of the congregation. Because of the spark of Moshe found within a spiritual leader, he is called Moshe, as in the Talmudic expression, Moshe, shapir Mart, Moshe, do you speak all right? This is something that Rav Safra said to Rav. He, was, he, said he's, he expressed an opinion, and then he turned to him and said, Moshe, are, are you speak, speaking correctly? But he was calling Rav, he was calling him Moshe. This spark is clothed not only in a leader's soul, but also in his body. That is why Hasidim say that one never tires of gazing at a Rebbe, for within him is a spark of Moshe. These sparks, which are clothed in sages and spiritual leaders, enable them to impart knowledge to the people. So in, in a way that they actually know Hashem. And what's very interesting is that the altar of says that this spark from Moshe clothes itself. He first uses the term body, and then he uses the term soul, which seems a little funny. Like, should you first say soul and then body? And the Rebbe notes on this, and he says that if he would first write soul, we would think that the way that the spark of Moshe is present within the Jewish leaders is that there's the soul, which has the spark of Moshe, and it pervades the body. But actually, it's not the case. Even the body of these holy people actually have a spark of Moshe within it. And it's something that expresses godliness. When you're in the presence of this kind of holy person, you know you're in the presence of a holy person. Just their physical being literally radiates and exudes godliness. And that's why just being in their presence affects you. The Talmud says, Rabbi Huda Hanasi was talking about how he was sharper than his colleagues. Gemara relates that Rehuda Nasi said, the fact that I'm more incisive than my colleagues is due to the fact that I saw Rabbi Meir from behind. He used to sit from behind Rabbi Meir. He said, if I sat in front of him, if I would have seen him from the front, I would have been even more sharp. As it is written, your eyes should see your teacher. So just from seeing his teacher from behind, the back of him, it made him sharper. Rabbi Yol Khan told a story that when he was a young man, he went by the Rebbe and his father asked him, when you go by the Rebbe, please ask for a blessing for a family member whose commitment to Judaism was wavering. So he went by the Rebbe, he asked for the bracha and the Rebbe asked him for the man's name, for his mother's name. And then he also asked him for the man's age. So I guess Rabiel's face registered some look of puzzlement, like it's not usual to ask for the age. You ask for the name, the mother's name, why the age? So the Rebbe said, the reason why I asked for the age is because I want to know if he saw the previous Rebbe when the previous Rebbe visited the land of Israel in 1929. And he said, I know that he saw him. And so the Rebbe said, okay, then everything's going to be fine. If the previous Rebbe saw him, I know that he'll be okay. He may be having his ups and downs, but he'll be okay. And that's just from being in the physical presence of a tzaddik. Rabbi Silberberg tells a story that his father brought some college students to the Rebbe for Pagisha, and this was after Chafzai and Adar when the Rebbe had unfortunately suffered a stroke. The Rebbe wasn't speaking, but people were allowed to walk by the Rebbe. The Rebbe was sitting in the door of his office, and they would just walk by. The Rebbe would look at them. And so one young man, he was like 18 or 19 years old, he went by the Rebbe, and he said, I'm going to have to see the Rebbe again. So he did what you're not supposed to do when he got right back online and waited all over again because he wanted to go by the Rebbe a second time. And he became from, just from that experience, the Rebbe didn't speak to him. Just being in the presence of a holy person has a tremendous effect. And this is because the spark of Moshe Rabbeinu is clothed within the body and souls of these unique people. And what these unique people do is they teach knowledge of Hashem to the people. 
Lamid Daas Esham, Vele Dagduas Hashem, Ula Avdai Vele Vanefesh, to impart knowledge to the people that they may know the greatness of God and hence serve Him with heart and soul. Kiha Avaida Shabalev Hilafi Hadaas, Kemaisha Kasav, Da Es Elakea Vicha, Vavdehu Belev Shalem, for the service of the heart, meaning one's love and fear of Hashem, is according to the da'as, according to one's degree of knowledge and understanding of Hashem's greatness, as it is written, know the God of your father and serve him with all your heart and with a longing soul. So this is what, this, these were the instructions of King David to his son, Shlomo Solomon. And he said, know the God of your father and serve him with your, all your heart and with a longing soul. How do you serve him with all your heart and with a longing soul? When you know him. And what's unique about these, they're called the eyes of the congregation, these sparks of Moshe, is they're not teaching knowledge as an information. They're teaching knowledge in a way that they're literally imparting Hashem to the people. Like we learned, Tyra is Hashem. You know, we are wisdom separate. Hashem's wisdom is one with him. It's just the most wild, incredible idea that Torah is literally Hashem. So, you know, when you sit by a great teacher and they teach you Torah, so you're learning this great idea and this great idea, and you have to be cognizant of the fact that this is Hashem's wisdom and you're uniting with Hashem. When we sat in the presence of Moshe Rabbeinu, anything he taught, we knew he was imparting Hashem to us. When he taught high, mystical ideas, obviously we knew he was imparting Hashem. When he taught the legalities of two people grabbing a garment and saying, hey, it's mine, hey, it's mine. Nobody thought he was teaching just simple legalities. Literally, Hashem was flowing through his being to the people and he gave them this awareness and capability of connecting with Hashem. And the previous Rebbe compares it to a workman or an artist. You know, let's say you see the beautiful picture and say, I want to learn how to draw a face. Okay, how do I draw a face? So you make some lines over here and an oval over here and you do all the technical things and you come up with a face. But that's not a real artist. A real artist is not drawing circles and ovals and lines. Does he actually draw those shapes? Sure he does, but that's not what he's thinking about. In his mind is the vision. In his mind is the art. In his mind is the face. It's just flowing from his being. And then also the, the, the technicalities come out. But he is literally living and flowing and channeling the art. That's a true artist. And that's the difference between someone who is the spark of Moshe and another kind of teacher. The spark of Moshe is literally channeling his own experience of the divine to the people. He's channeling this knowledge of Hashem to the people. The wisdom, that's the technicalities. That's the way they connect. But what he's truly what he's truly imparting, what he's giving is the essence. And this is what we get from these leaders, from the sparks. We have it within our soul. But the problem is it's so hard for us to access it by ourselves. We need these people who already experience it to give it to us. And that's what the author writes in the 44th chapter of Tanya. He talks about the illumination from the aspect of Moshe. And he says that he bevchinas hester v'halem gadol b'nafshes kol Yisrael is present in all the souls of Israel in a manner of great obscurity and concealment. We have it, but it's obscured. We need these people who live it and breathe it, who experience it, to channel that knowledge to us. And then we can access what we have in our own soul. 
Thus, in order to serve him with all your heart and with a longing soul, it is necessary to know the God of your father, to know and comprehend his greatness. This is taught to the Jewish people by the scholars of each generation with whom, within whom sparks of Moshe are enclosed. Only concerning the future, the Messianic era, is it written, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, No Hashem, for they shall all know me. Only at that time will a teacher be unnecessary. However, in our era, one needs to have a mentor impart knowledge of Hashem's greatness if one is to know how to serve him with heart and soul. And one's dependent on Moshe through the intermediary of scholars in each generation is of the very essence of one's divine service. So let me summarize what we said until now. And that is that in this, in this last section, that Moshe Rabbeinu is who channels Da'as, knowledge of Hashem, to each of us because he is the central shepherd. He channels to each of us according to our own capacity of the root of our soul. And we also get Da'as in the way that we nurture from the soul of Moshe. We nurture from his soul, which is rooted in the da'as of Hashem in the world of Atzilas. Hashem's da'as is truly one with him. Another way we get this is through those people who actually don't, don't just have an illumination of Moshe within them, but they actually embody a spark of them. Those people have overt revelation of Hashem. And their job is to teach the knowledge of Hashem to us so that we can serve Hashem with our full heart. Based on what we learned until now, we might think, okay, so the main way that we get Da'as is through these leaders. But the altar is not going to let us off the hook so easy. And he's going to make us work very hard and explain to us the principal way of getting it, being attaching to it, is you have to get it. Access it within your own soul. You have to work hard. And there's these meditations I'm going to give you. It's up to you. He's not letting us off the hook. He's not saying just rely on the leaders and they're going to give it to you. He's going to say, work hard, work hard, work hard, and you're going to own it. It's going to be a part of you. So I'm um, done with class for today and I'll bring it up now for questions and discussion. 